0: There's something we can't see behind what we can see. I've heard it said this way. There's always something you can't see controlling what you can.
1: Let me think about that. That's good. There's always something that you can't see controlling what you can.
0: hmm hmm And for people with a Christian worldview, we do believe that there's more than just the physical, natural world.
1: Okay. You said Christians believe that. Everybody believes that. Look, everything has its metaphysic.
0: You can build the
1: heart of a lion with a strong mind and spirit because a
0: lion's natural state is one of safety through courage, strength, and power. Hi, I'm the shepherd and pastor, Dr. Matt Hook. And I'm the shrink, Dr. Marty Fletcher. This is the show where theology meets
1: psychology. Or mental health meets spirituality. Welcome to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. Before we start the show, I have something to share with you. If you or someone close to you is suffering from a sense of anxiety or loneliness, the truth is, anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness, affecting 40 million adults in the United States every year alone. And according to a recent study, more than 60% of Americans report feeling lonely, left out, poorly understood, and lacking companionship. This matters a lot. Because loneliness is stressful enough to raise all-cause mortality by up to 30%. So, I've written a free guide with 10 ways you can start to overcome anxiety and defeat your loneliness. Don't wait on positive emotions. Learn how to create them for yourself starting right now. You can grab the guide by heading over to drmartinfletcher.com. That's doctor spelled dr martin
0: Marty, Matt. Good afternoon. Good afternoon to you. How are you? Well, I guess you could say I'm doing fine. <laughs> you're looking fine, so I'm sure you're Thank doing you. fine. Yeah. Thank you. I try. I aim to please. <laughs> it's working. Listen, okay. what possessed you to pick possession as a topic for us to talk about?
1: Well, I've been thinking about possession a lot and what does it mean? Because, you know, we struggle with concepts that are in the scriptures and the bible's replete with that language and instances of possession so as a psychologist i want to understand this
0: yeah you know you remind me of a book that is called people of the lie that is by m scott peck who also wrote a really popular book called the road less traveled Mm -hmm. about discipline and about pain and he talks about possession he actually became a Christian as a result of writing in his writings. And he talked about that evil itself is a variant of narcissistic personality disorder.
1: Okay, and now he's a psychiatrist
0: too, right? Right, does that make sense to you?
1: Well, that's interesting because those personality disorders are different than the other clinical personality disorders. Because people who have uh, those, that category, and that's narcissistic, sociopathic, and you know, borderline. They do cause lots of problems for other people, lots of anger and wish for punishment and things like that for sure. Did he tie that to possession? He that did. would be a bold mood move.
0: Yeah, he talked about the narcissist and some of the specifics of this variant. Of narcissism he talked he talked about narcissism he talked about necrophilia which includes the desire of certain people to control other people
1: necrophilia is with doing things with the dead
0: that's what I thought yeah here's an interesting quote of his when I say that evil has to do with killing I do not mean to restrict myself to corporeal murder evil is that which kills spirit
1: okay I like that because I was hoping we would get into the topic of evil Let's start with this, though. Okay, here's the question that I have. Can something from outside of us get into us? Let's start with that, because we're going to talk about possession. It has to come from without. Yes. Can something outside of us get in? And I think that's how life happens. I think that Vygotsky was a psychologist, a genius, Russian, Soviet at the time. His idea was um, consciousness first starts out in the culture, then it gets inside of us. Similar to language, ideas, you know, I operate, I, I use theories. I have a theoretical frame of reference, right? I was taught that. I didn't invent this. It started outside of me, existed long before I was born. If I had never been born, it would still exist. I let it get in, some of that get inside of me and other ideas I don't let get inside of me. I reject, maybe even rebuke. So the notion that we just the naturalism worldview says, no, my brain fires and all these ideas start coming out, like you just crank the handle. It doesn't work like that.
0: Right. And, and they talk about some of the feral children cases where they never learn certain capacities because they were never enculturated with any form of language or any form yes. of, of thinking or comprehension or being able to put the pieces together.
1: So, But something got inside of them. They, right. didn't, um, they didn't develop in a vacuum. Something got inside of them. Some, some very, very important things, human things did not get inside of them, correct?
0: hmm that's really true. How about ideological possession? Oh, I think that's uh, completely true. I think that we cannot help but be influenced for good or for ill based on who we are feeding with. And what we are feeding our minds on. There's a lot of scripture that talks about do not be, Romans twelve two is one of my favorites. It says, do not be conformed yes. to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay, I really like that a lot. Because what,
1: it, what he's saying there is that stuff that's out there is going to want to get inside. It's going to want to get inside. You have to have a way of being uh, in discernment to reject some things and allow some things in. Now here's the problem. It's inside of us before we know it. Often, like Matt, what what possessed you? Right. So you throw a tantrum or something, right? Um, right? what possessed you? You didn't actively seek it. Like I think I'm going to be completely irrational, just lose it. Okay, sounds like a good idea. I'm gonna, you know, it gets inside of us sometimes. Sometimes we love it and want it to come inside, and other times before we know it, it's in us. Though that's the way I've been thinking about possession recently.
0: Yes, and I don't know if we want to clarify if there's a difference between the idea of demonic possession or just ideological possession. Yes,
1: we do. we do want to do that. I want to get to that later because I first want to establish, for the sake of the conversation, will we allow the notion that something, some things do actually come from out there get in, and, and they get inside of us? Either we actively take them in or before we know it, because I deal with traumatized people often, right? They were in households that were just, oh, there was cruelty, right? There was anger, there was vengeance. That spirit of anger, that spirit of cruelty and vengeance, they were exposed to and it got inside of them and then they became like it. The thing that they did not want to happen to them, they began doing to themselves and to other people.
0: I think that's really true. There's something behind what we see. There's something we can't see behind what we can see. I've heard it said, this way, there's always something you can't see controlling what you can.
1: Let me think about that. That's good. There's always something that you can't see controlling what you can.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for people with a Christian worldview, we do believe that there's more than just the physical, natural world. Okay. And there is potentially a battle going on. Whether you call it sin, whether you call it the things of this world, whether you believe in the Satan, the parasite, to the goodness of God, out to defame and deface God and people who love God.
1: Say that again. Now, the first thing that you said that got my attention there. Say that. Do you remember? There's
0: always something you can't see controlling what you can.
1: You said Christians believe that. Everybody believes that. Everybody believes. Look, everything has its metaphysic. Right. Everything does. Even physics got because physics, you know, started developing and let's do what's observable. Let's find out, you know, its qualities and nature of it. And before you know it, you're at the metaphysic of no, it's actually just space. Then it becomes like, wait, maybe it's just consciousness or maybe it's consciousness interacting with that. So anyone who believes that they have a consciousness Mm -hmm. is believing something metaphysical. Or, Or how about this? Does love exist? Yes. Will anyone deny that love exists?
0: Most people will not deny love exists.
1: Oh, give me evidence. Now, you can give me evidence of the behavior. Oh, I just got a peck on the cheek or something like that. That's not love. That's one discrete little part of it that you've isolated to examine. But love exists. We know that. That is metaphysical. Now, it has its physical correlates, right? You know, hormonally, I start feeling something different. You know, oxytocin comes in and things like that. These feel good, you know, painkillers. But that's not love. Right? Everybody, it's not just Christians that believe in the unseen realm. Everybody believes in that. They just won't admit it sometimes.
0: Even what we call the laws of nature. There are no written laws out there somewhere, but we kind of treat them that way. Keep going. This is good. One one other example that I've heard is when you think about an animal who does something, you say, oh, uh, it's instinct. Instinct just means we have no idea why they do it. We don't know why geese fly south in the winter, fly north. I mean, we assume it has to do with the temperature, but how do they know? There's instinct. There's something that we can't see controlling what we can.
1: There is, or influencing if not controlling, but that is, those are patterns that we observe, okay? And that's why I talk about like what I thought was like the cartoon version of our faith.
0: Of possession.
1: Of or, or that too, you know, but everything like that. We need Christian symbolism. And we, because we use it all the time. Christ said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Was he saying he's a plant? No, he wasn't. He was making a bigger point. So symbolism makes it more rich. There are certain things in metaphors and symbolism that get, have so much information, and it's where reality meets the meaning of it. So we, But what's happening in America often, in Western Christianity, is we see it through the lens of naturalism. Therefore, Satan doesn't exist. Because I can't see him because he doesn't look like those, you know, those paintings that we saw. You know what right. I mean? With the guy with a pitchfork. So now I just completely dismiss the whole notion because it doesn't fit into the physical, you know, frame of reference. Okay. Well, that's not the point of Christianity at all. Right. Right. Symbolism is outside and it's way bigger than the thing that we're looking at.
0: It's a way that God reveals truth. Yeah. We believe. I
1: completely believe. But let's not just say that it's it's we Christians. That are doing that everybody's doing it
0: right right there could be somebody here listening in whether they're seriously considering christianity or they're just interested in the topic who would say they do not believe and yet we are all basing our decisions on stuff that we cannot see that we cannot measure that we cannot Mm -hmm. grasp but that we believe exists
1: and i'm sympathetic to those people because i understand it i don't even blame them you have an incomplete view wrong-headed view because that's what you've seen or it was taught to you right so oh yeah do reject that go for the deep christianity the 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 meaningful christianity the one that will change you and the way that you see the world and understand those patterns that we were talking about in the world
0: right and i'd want to get back to something else you said that we we are controlled the idea of possession is something from outside comes in us the fact is it. It's already got a home waiting for it in us because we are flawed. We are broken. Mm. The idea, the concept, you may have studied it in English literature of original sin, unless you know, you've read Genesis and understood that in Adam, we all have fallen. But there is this spark. I hate to say spark of the divine because that's a whole nother thing. But the idea of being made in the image of God, we still have the imprint of the image of God in us, even though it has been marred by sin. It still exists and that's why I think all of us long for a home that we call heaven a place we've never been but that we long for it yes so I think that there is an outward influence in us and sometimes it literally feels like we're in chains like we're bound by our schedule by my I'm feeling bound sometimes I had a real breakthrough last week but I've been feeling bound lately by my schedule, by my attitudes, by my habits, by my lack of organization, by successes. I felt bound by success that I've got to produce more. I felt bound by other people's expectations. I felt bound by my choices, not thinking of the next step or what's behind everything, because there's always something I can't see controlling what I can. And the fact is we are bound. And I think when it comes to the idea of possession, which is so fascinating, I want to keep making sure we get back to that, Mm. that M. Scott Peck, who is the psychologist that I mentioned earlier, who wrote The Road Less Traveled, and he wrote a book called People of the Lie, which is a psychological study of evil. And he talks about demon possession, he says, is real. Demonic possession is real, though it is very, very rare. We're so quick to blame the devil for everything. But what he would say is it's very rare. And here's how he describes it. A long, slow process that involves the cooperation of the victim to some degree, in which the person possessed repeatedly sells out to evil. It often involves loneliness. And people start by making simple compromises with one kind of evil or another. But there comes a point where the evil takes over. Addiction seems like possession. Addicts eventually use words like helpless and powerless. So there's a a definite outside force, but there's a very willing, although very subtle, cooperation with the person with whom is being taken over by whatever form of evil this is.
1: Oh, for, for sure. I mean, I'm just listening to your language right now, and you're doing it as we talk. There were these forces that you're describing outside that were pulling you in some direction, influencing your your world, You what are those things? You know, what are those things? And you mentioned addiction too, or compulsions. One way I help people is I let them, I show them that, look, thoughts are not reality. I mean, nobody knows what a thought is. You know what a thought is? You know when you're having one, and sometimes you don't know when you're having one, right?
0: I need to have more generally.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Fewer of most of us, that minds race, right? But where does a thought come from? We don't know. It comes from outside a lot of times. Like I'll see an image or something or, and it'll remind me of something else. And before I know it, that stuff that was out there is taking on a life of it inside of me. Yeah. Is that a possession? It depends on how we define it. I think it is.
0: I think it's a matter of control. And if the thought continually dominates us and leads us down this path of true possession where we have given over where we have believed the lie that we are not wrong it's the world who is wrong i think evil's not just the absence of goodness i think it's actively hateful and destructive
1: i think so and i think that's the reason that's why i think that if if there are things outside of us that can get in to us and i think we're agreeing on that okay you know for instance what am i looking at where am i aiming right? Because we aim, our spirit aims. Say more about that. Okay. So what's a spirit? So I'm not my thoughts. I'm not a thought because I can look at that thought. I can transcend it. So what's looking at that thought, right? That's my consciousness, whatever. I think spirit.
0: Your soul, your spirit. Mm -hmm. Right.
1: So, and we even talk about higher things, high art, you know what I mean? Uh, Low brow, right? That's symbolic language to say there is something hierarchically better, than what's down here. As a Christian, one thing that helped me and just feel forgiven was I really didn't know better because I was looking at the wrong stuff, you know, what the world was giving to me. And I had that too high up and the and, and that there is goodness, but it's outside of me because it goes against my, my instinct isn't to endure insults, it's to give it back. That insult that you gave and that spirit that, that brought that insult to me, I don't like it, so what happens? It got inside of me now, and I don't want to give it back to you. That's my nature, right? right? You know, the little kid hits, they hit back, you know? So I needed to aim at the higher things so it could get inside of me, and it really feels like that, too. It feels like there is a Holy Spirit out there, and it wasn't in me, and then now it's visited on me, okay? And then the guilt wasn't there or shame because I was like, look, this is how it is. Right, this is who I am. This is outside of me, and I need that help because this isn't my nature. And I, I know I'm not going to be punished for that because that's just how we are. That's how I
0: was. That is really, really powerful. You know the the idea, as as sad as it you think it sounds, that the sense that we have of personal sin or a healthy form of guilt, that's precisely what keeps our sin from getting out of hand. Mm-hmm. And I think that people who are possessed they will deny every opportunity to name the truth about themselves that there could be anything wrong with them they hate the idea of the light because the light of goodness that shows that shows them up that there's something greater than they are the light of scrutiny that exposes the lies that we like to tell ourselves when we're getting all into something the idea that the light of truth penetrates the deception that we have to maintain in order to be so into whatever it is that would lead us to cooperate with evil to the mm. point of possession.
1: Oh, I like that a lot. So that dark stuff, that anger and hatred, when it gets inside of us and makes a home in us to the degree that we praise it, and by praise, I mean just valuing it. You know what I mean? Celebrating it even by expressing it in us. That shows where we're aiming. When I talked about aiming, that's inside of you now and you don't understand the good. Because I think this, if you know the good, I mean, you experience the good and that's truth, right? This is good. This is the truth. This is the way. This is God's nature. Why in the world, how in the world can you turn away from that? Why would you not be just full tilt going after it all the time imperfectly?
0: because we have an unsubmitted will okay so so say more about
1: the unsubmitted will because your will that you just use the word for the first time that's what i'm talking about when i say we aim yeah what are we looking at and chasing but say that's good
0: what so. do i want what is my will the idea of it kind of goes back to the narcissist idea that m scott peck talks about malignant narcissism it's an unsubmitted will people who are healthy mentally and spiritually, they submit themselves one way or another to something higher than themselves, like you were just saying, Mm -hmm. whether you call it God or truth or some other ideal kind of thing. They believe what's true rather than what they want to be true. But people who are possessed are obsessed with what they want to be true. And basically, all people who are mentally healthy submit to the demands of a higher truth or a conscience that acknowledges a higher truth. But when it comes to evil, it's a whole nother story. Men and women who are evil obviously have a strong will, but they're determined to have their own way. If they could redesign the world, they would. And even if they are not desiring to appear good or to do anything that matters to anybody else, they desire to, to, not to be good, they want to appear good. And I see this playing out a lot in social media, in causes. And in other words, the, the wickedness of this evil, it's, it's this lie. Their goodness is all pretense. It's why they have to deal with shadows and lies and stacking lies on top of lies. They end up like masters of disguise because they don't want to disclose who they really are.
1: This is where or what it really is. That exists outside of them in legions. Right, that thing that's out there, and this is why I think that. Look, I I do see, and so do the church fathers. Right, um, mm-hmm. they saw it too, and so and Christ talked about it too. That look, it, evil's all over the. World. It's not rare. Satan's roaming around. You
0: know, like a like a roaring lion, like a roaring lion, seeking there. whom that he can devour.
1: Okay, so let's not look at the cartoon version of um. There's a dude with a pitchfork and a tail. and He wants to put poke you in the butt. You know, it's not right. that at all. You have to know his qualities because he's a spiritual being. Right? And so the qualities are a deception for one thing. So if someone lies to me, what are they concealing? Not the good. So when you're talking about that facade that people put up, that's how, how evil is presented itself in um, you know paintings and in movies, that's a quality of it. it you're, if you see it and it's apparent, you're going to run. So it's not going to let you see it like that. It's going to disguise us as, as something. So I say that that's satanic right the satan is the accuser so when i see people putting let me punish you and rebuke you over kindness gentleness compassion then that's not from god that's and if it's not from god it's got to be from somewhere right when i see people dividing okay i don't see a person dividing i see that spirit dividing that spirit of division and it got inside that person that also allows me to have compassion for the person doing it because again i don't want to become the thing that i deride Right. I don't want to be a divider when I, in the sake of decrying division. Right. I still want to, because the higher thing, the thing of, of God is the compassion. It is the wish for the suffering to stop for them. It is the understanding that something is inside of them, but there's something good, which is the image of God. That is their true nature. They're lost.
0: That's right. And I think that when you look at it that way, even though lost has an innocence to it, evil is not innocent. And sometimes people are lost in their evil, but evil people are not to be hated, they're to be pitied. Yes. And C.S. Lewis has a great book about this called The Screwtape Letters, where it's a greater demon talking or greater devil talking to a junior devil about how to torment the particular human that he's been assigned. And, and he says, the best thing that you can do is mock the devil, mock Satan. Not, not take them seriously, but but any kind of belittling or mocking really is a, a great way as a Christ follower to affect that kind of a thing.
1: How would that look in the world to mock that spirit?
0: I think it would look like pity. Like, oh, you got to be kidding. And yet you have to take people seriously. You have to take the realities seriously. You have to take the brokenness in the world seriously. You know, there's one way that it could look and it's actually a scripture encounter an amazing encounter that jesus has with a demon possessed guy and it's from mark chapter 5 do you want to dive into that please yes i would love to hear a psychological understanding of it and here's the story of this guy who is a man in bondage and he's set free by jesus so mark 5 starting in chapter 5 verse 1 They went across the lake to the region of the Gerizines. And we don't know exactly where that is, other than what side of the lake it is. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained, hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. Here's where it gets really weird. Verse 11, a large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. Jesus gave them permission and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis, which means 10 cities, how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. How freaky is that? Uh, Freaky deaky. (laughs) It's a freaky man, freaky place in the tombs, freaky story. There's chains. The guy's into cutting. That happens today. Yeah. Demons sent into pigs. People freaked out. And then they ask Jesus to leave, which he does. But then the healed guy comes and asks Jesus to go with him, which Jesus says no. So he says yes to the people asking him to leave. But the guy who, who he just healed, who he wants to go with him, Jesus says no. But he says go back to your family and tell people what God's done. So here's this crazy man living among the tombs in the world of the dead you know in in our area with our wealth of opportunities all kinds of stuff all kinds of activities it's so easy to build our lives with the wrong view none of which is really spiritually life giving but it's more life distracting and it's like we're living these massively comfortable lives in tombs that we've created do you see that in your practice
1: I see a lot of what you just said in the practice. And I see, I try to see the way Christ saw too. Because one thing that struck me was this. He didn't say this guy is a demon, right? right. And didn't want to destroy him. He, he, he saw the redemption that this man could have. He saw this man as the healthy person he wants. So he cast something that was outside of him, right? Cast away something that was outside of him. He didn't identify that. And in my practice, I don't identify people with their illnesses, Wow, uh, they have it. It's something or maybe it's something that has them.
0: That's the possession part, isn't yeah, it? Yeah,
1: that's what I'm saying because look, it started with their dad and it, it traveled a long line and got passed on. That violence and that that spirit of revenge and punishment and hatred, that started a long time and traveled a long way to get to that person that I see. So when they have that anger and hatred towards themselves usually, that's what, if you're depressed it's you, kind
0: of really a curse, isn't it?
1: You could call it that if you want. Now, you know, I have to use clinical language, but I like to think about it in a lot of different ways, right? We're, it, it, we're it, cursed like by a curse.
0: it. Yeah. And the idea of, of us living in these tombs that we built, it's like we're Egyptians. Yeah. you know, And we've created these elaborate, ornate, incredible structures in our lives. And I'm not just talking about buildings, but they are not life-giving. And maybe, yes. maybe the idea of today's topic is to turn the mirror around and look at yourself and look where you are and to see yourself clearly. Are you living in tombs that have no life-giving spiritual benefits to you at all?
1: Yeah. And what have you allowed to live in inside of you?
0: We nurse stuff from outside inside. I nurse my quirky loves. I nurse wounds. I nurse evil thoughts just as much as i can nurse truth words that come for me from scripture that are powerful to me that set the course of my life i can nurse whichever one i want
1: one thing that i found makes christianity every bit as relevant as it's ever been today is that these there's nothing new hmm. like like, there's this idea of progress that oh we realize that there's no spiritual world at all it's all matter that is Epicurean. That was around at the time of Jesus, uh, uh, you know, and, and they were atheists, just like the Epicureans. Now, what I'm calling Epicureans, are those are the, you know, Richard Dawkins and people who say that, and, and Sam Harris's that say, there's just matter. Now, there's a big problem because what is telling me that there's just matter, right? His consciousness. Well, how right. do you explain that away? How um, do you well, measure it, that? It, it, it's an epiphenomenon. What does, heck, does that mean something's happening? We both agree something's happening. What is it, you know, that, that's mm. doing that's a way to get around? Or how about this one? Energy. What's energy? Richard Feynman, you know, the physicist, he's deceased now said in his Brooklyn accent, don't let anybody fool you. Nobody knows what energy is. Wow. Right? We don't know what energy is. Why is that not spirit? Why is mm. that not the hand of God? Because I'm an Epicurean or a naturalist.
0: I guess the one thing I appreciate is the, that they see sometimes the reality of a situation. What does that mean? And and they don't try to make up stories I'm trying to think of of the good part of it is there's a practicalness, which that's what's powerful about Christianity. It's not just this myst, mystic religion where you go up on a mountain. It's all about how you live it out in your daily life, how you live it out in your culture.
1: Hold on, hold on. You said something important. I want to get back to it. Okay. You said they see reality. I want to know what that means because first of all, I'm not dichotomizing. Science was invented, developed by Christians. So I use it all the time. And there's some awesome scientists, John Lennox and some other ones that are John Polkinghorne, that are devout Christians, and they made important contributions to the field of science. So I'm not saying, oh, scientists know reality, we don't, but, but what's the meaning of it so if you're saying they make observations and they discover patterns and mechanisms yeah that's all great stuff but is that all it means right right? is that all it means not in the cosmology of christianity there's way more than that but you we can look at that we can you know just kind of take that part and 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 learn some things right they're not in opposition no christianity and science they're not in opposition
0: not at all and there's people way smarter than i am who can help connect folks who don't understand that
1: there are people way smarter than you plenty oh
0: yeah here's one thing interesting in this encounter with this guy that they call the Gerazine demoniac is the guy lived in tombs no one could bind him anymore not even with the chain he had often been chained hand and foot but he tore the chains apart and he broke the irons on his feet nobody was strong enough to subdue him and here's what hits me as you're thinking about people that you don't know where they're coming from that This guy was someone's son at one time, or brother, or friend, or even father. And people obviously were trying to help, but rather than just chaining him, isn't it true we often try to solve spiritual problems with human solutions? And I think that's one of the things I love, and I'm really excited about this podcast that we've got going, is there's more than just human solutions. I love that we can take the best of psychology And talk about it from a theological perspective. A lot of people have done everything but give their problem to God or to Christ. They've tried everything, but they're not going to have an encounter with Jesus. The truth is, though, when your problems are spiritual, which is what you're talking about, we cannot measure evil. We can't measure an idea when it exists in that form. It's a spiritual issue. And I think when we look at all of the challenges in our world today, whether it's all of the isms, you know, and the racism and the hatred and the spew and the polarization of everybody, I think underlying all of the presenting issues, we have a spiritual problem.
1: hundred percent. And, and that means that we have a meaning crisis because if it only comes down to matter and mechanisms, what is the point? right? What is the meaning of this? And people who the worst thing about major depressive disorder is this. It robs the joy by taking away any sense of purpose and meaning for life, not just your life, all life
0: is, is meaningless. Mm-hmm. And, and the self-destructing. I mean, this, this was written, this story was recorded of what Christ did in first century Palestine about the year 30 AD, and listen to what's happening. Mark records it in verse 5. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Crying out is what I see so many people doing online.
1: Not only that, but when we say there's nothing new under the sun, these things have been around forever. We just think they're new. Cutting behavior exists now, and um, we see it a lot in borderline personality disorder. Mm -hmm. Borderline personality disorder are people who... And so where we can be really sympathetic to, to these folks, usually there's a history of abuse, neglect, and what they fear the most is to be alone, to be rejected to the point when it happens, it's painful enough where they can get really aggressive towards themselves or others. And oftentimes you know, that that rage and hatred towards themselves will come out into, now We there are other mechanisms like, okay, maybe it is parasympathetic nervous system activation where after you do that, you get a sense of relief or whatever. But what drives that sort of thing? That's not new. Mm -hmm. They had different names for it, Yeah, but it was a spiritual condition back then
0: called something else. It It is not an ancient story only, is it? No, it's so relevant right now. This guy was self-destructing and he's crying out. He's into cutting the emotional pain that he was dealing with. We are witnessing all over the place and in 2020 i guess i'd ask what is your form of cutting yourself the fact is jesus knows it whether it's holding on to hate whether it's self-destructive drinking whether it's smoking whether it's drug whether it's just binging escaping through netflix or whatever online junk there is it could be your phone it could be eating up in inordinate amounts of time It's keeping us in the tunes, deterring us from everything healthy, including important relationships. I think so many people today are crying out and they've bought some other lie and they have no idea how good God is or how good they can be in him. They have no identity of self-worth. I guess the question is, will you care? You know, will we care? Does our love for them see God's love in them? You know, suicide... I don't know, it was the third leading cause of death for 15-year-olds to 24-year-olds. I don't know if it's still where it falls in the rankings, but somebody needs to lead people in the midst of evil, in the midst of brokenness, in the midst of crying out. Sorry, it sounds like I'm preaching. Preach. To fight against this satanic desire to destroy God's image in you. You are in the image of God. And in you is God's image. It's marred. It's flawed because of sin, because of the brokenness, it's because of our own choices and our own decisions and the, the tombs that we surround ourselves. But I believe Satan ultimately wants to destroy God's image in you and in me and in, in each person. And what's powerful is, is we don't have to shy away from that because we are following not just the teachings, but the actions of Jesus and his followers. Yes. You you know, it's so powerful for me when Jesus encounters this guy and he says to the spirit, come out of him, you evil spirit. In other words, Jesus has been praying for him. There is a will to relieve him of the loneliness, to relieve him of the tombs, to relieve him of the crying out and the suffering. And then Jesus says, what's your name? And the guy says, legion, that's not a name. A legion is a thousand soldiers or 6,000 Roman soldiers was a legion. So by him saying, my name is legion for we are many. And he begged Jesus not to send them out of the area. In other words, the guy had no name. The guy had no name like so many people today. Yeah. Nobody knows their name.
1: Which means symbolically, I don't matter. Right. I don't even have a name. There's not even a name for what I
0: am. Right, they're statistic, they're number, or they're a category like foreigner or homeless, or they're an adjective. We treat people like adjectives, not like nouns, like black or white or liberal or conservative. We all, get, I get in so much trouble when I lose someone's name.
1: Mm-hmm. In the Christian worldview, your individuality, your and if you think about people, I've never met two people who are like. In some ways, yeah, but the important ways, like I will know a face where i almost, you know, I'm, just seen them once. Everybody has a different spirit. Do you know two people like you're just like exactly like so and so? Right. So the idea is this. That people, I hope that they hear this. You have to look above what the world shows us. Because the world does reduce people to groups, there's no individual in a group, and what's a group anyway? It's an abstraction, right? So, if we're going to get down to I think I'm being scientific, we do need categories. Categories aren't real, they're just ways of relating to and understanding the world, but uh, you know, there's no but but the individual that's something different. And if you truly do believe that that in the imago day and that that's how we should relate, if we're going to live. And kingdom values. If I want to live in the kingdom of God, I better understand the world of this kingdom. And that is where we
0: start, right? That's it. Mm
1: -hmm. Changes everything. My gosh, it changes everything. And we have to humble ourselves too. You do not know what you're talking about. The world's complicated. Nobody does, right? So we have to look outside of ourselves, right?
0: Yeah, that's exactly it. And here's what's funny though when we start doing that, that means change. And the only person who likes change is a baby with a dirty diaper, right? So, so this guy gets healed and of course it's this big incident because Jesus sends the demons into the pigs. Why? I don't know. But those people who are tending the pigs, they run off and they report this to everybody and people are gathering to see what happens. You know, and here's I guess what I would say and for a lot of people if they feel bound by the junk in their lives or bound by the ideas that they are claiming that that are not helpful when the established order gets changed when the established order of your life gets changed even if it's for the good you got to be ready because people are going to be afraid your friends are going to say who are you yep you know what what are you doing i thought i knew you why are you so uncomfortable with where you are now why are you making a big deal of this and people are afraid of change
1: unless there is a deep deep just profound trust in the good out there then it's rescue me right then then it's fearless right because you so know that there's good out there and you're so confident that i'll follow i mean look at how 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 he played it out look how christ played it out drop everything and follow Mm -hmm. and some did some didn't right right yeah. That's an act of faith that there is something good. It's a telos, right? There's, it's going somewhere. I, I always believe that. No matter how bad the world looks at, at, at any snapshot in time, any moment in time, I truly believe that the kingdom comes like we pray every day, right? Mm-hmm. The kingdom is coming. It's a promise. It's a guarantee. Yeah. It's every, you know what people are afraid of? There's just one fear. I think I told you this before. When you really get down to it, my clinical practice, now it'll look different for different people, you know, I'm afraid I'll never get married or that I'm going to lose my job or I'm afraid that I'm crazy or whatever it is that they're fear. But but really, there's just one fear, just one
0: that they will not be OK.
1: Life's going to come and I'm not going to be OK. It's not going to be good. There'll be no good in it. Right. I'll become overwhelmed by something really not dark, let's say, OK, or painful, something I won't be able to, to manage. Christ talked a lot about belief right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, belief and the power of belief. It's amazing what I see in the power of belief by just believing something, how, uh, and I'm not talking about the secret. I'm talking about this existed before me. I'm not manifesting it, right? In myself, but it manifests when I allow it inside of me.
0: The power of belief is so strong, even as it plays out in our schedules, in our situations, in our lives. I don't know who said it first, but whether it was Henry Ford or somebody else, they said those who believe they can and those who believe they can't are both right mm-hmm. because of the power of belief. And imagine if we could choose life. Here's something interesting. Did you ever think of what evil spelled backwards is? No, not till now. E-V-I-L backwards uh-huh. is right. L-I-V-E, live.
1: Oh, and so, so, so evil robs of life. It's destroyed. That's... You know, because that's it's what the
0: opposite about. of life, and yet we, we go with it and we flirt with it. Yeah.
1: so can I say something else about belief before we get off this? So, yes, and, and I, use, I was trained in cognitive behavioral psychology, right? Which is it means that what we believe shapes our world and it feels to be true, so we have to be very careful about what we believe, right? So, if someone believes and truly believes, right, that no one likes me. I'm unlovable. If that's, if that's their uncontested belief, they will suffer right now. This is interesting in rational motive behavior therapy, which is one of the the ways the point is to empirically validate. It's not a Christian psychology or whatever, but it sure Mm -hmm. dovetails with it in many ways. So what we want to do is get to the truth. So empirically validate things. And when you get to the truth, I've said this before, truth is gentle. Right? It's the distortions that get us into all that suffering. So, as you test things out and you become rational, and t- then your physiology calms down because you realize, oh, that was just an errant belief. Right? And now I believe something else. The whole world is different
0: yeah. in a good way.
1: Isn't that interesting?
0: Amazing. Once you go
1: to the highest thing. What if your beliefs went to the highest thing, which isn 't just hedonism like or long term hedonism, like I just want to be happy right you went to the absolute highest thing, like I want the good, like God, the highest highest thing and and, and now my beliefs are going directed towards those things. imagine that that 's the yeah.
0: kingdom of god. yeah Jesus even said the highest thing is to love your enemies, talk about highest things
1: well, I love god first if, you know, right right god first yeah you 're right but it 's love, I mean just like hate, like like I have a friend. I don't want to say too much about it, but he's, he's African-American. And he said, I want to know why the country I love hates me. Hmm. Okay. And I thought about that a lot. and Because what I think is this, someone who hates like that, like an entire abstraction group of people and is that antichrist, mm-hmm. they're not picking one thing to hate right? Like, oh, I love everything. And I'm so nice to her. But that one group, oh, no, they're hating all, they have the spirit of hatred in them. They're possessed by the spirit of hatred. You just happen to be one of my pets. But I, look, I hate my wife. I won't say that. I hate, you know, society, whatever it is. But that spirit of hate is in there and it goes all through them, with them, all through the world.
0: That's powerful. That's the, this malignant narcissism, isn't it? Yeah. It's wanting evil. It's wanting themselves first. It's having greed. It's like a parasite.
1: And delighting in it. Yeah. Delighting yeah. in evil. That's your master now. That's your master. You delight in that. You want to further the plan.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? That destructive plan.
0: Right. When there's freedom to be had, when there's the breaking of the chains, the free the lifting out of bondage, the getting away from the tombs mm-hmm. that we have made our Homes.
1: So can we go the other direction with that? So if that if, if you consider what I said about hatred, and because that, that's been my experience, I've been through hard hearted, bitter people, and it doesn't just show up on one thing, like the Detroit Lions or whatever, right? It's in you and it goes outside. But what about love? What about the Holy Spirit, the spirit of love? I know those people. I've never heard you gossip about anybody ever. I've never heard you say a hateful thing about another human being. Not once wow. in end, I've known you. That. When we develop that, that travels all the way to even our enemies. I mean, Christ went to Calvary feeling so bad that they didn't know the truth, which is love. He felt bad for them. It's so good that, you know, while you're torturing me, I still have that much love where you can't kill it. It's just there, right? Love even for you. The sorrow that you don't know this, that's, that's the fate that, he, that Christ showed
0: us. And that's what he said, Father, forgive them. Or they don't know what they're doing exactly
1: so get good at that don't put other things above it don't put a political discussion above it you know don't put group identity above that the highest thing has to be that and when the highest thing is like that you experience the world differently and here's the bonus too: as if that wasn't good enough it spreads in the same way the hatred
0: spreads that
1: spreads
0: imagine if goodness were contagious
1: goodness is contagious. I imagine right. it. I know it because I've seen it. I've had people call, I was being a real jerk once on an airplane. I was just, you know, in a in a, in a a mood and some older guy was in my seat. So of course I'm going to be a jerk. And he was so nice to me by the end of the flight. I knew so, so much about him and he knew so much about me. He transformed me that no, that spirit transformed me. And I've never forgotten that.
0: That's powerful. Yeah. Well, one of the ways that's so fascinating about This demonic possession is Jesus treats it specially, but he doesn't treat it as weird. And, you know, at the end, though, he doesn't let the guy go with him back across the lake, even though everybody else was saying, go away, Lord, go away, Jesus. And he listened to them. He answered their understanding. But here's the deal. He didn't go away entirely. When Jesus left for across the lake, he left this man there this Gerizim demoniac possessed man, no longer possessed.
1: What does that mean?
0: I think that it shows how he wants this story to spread. Mm-hmm. How Jesus continued to be there in this land, through the sky, in his own culture. But they knew the sky. and even though his life was completely changed, that would stand out to them. And so, if you're dealing with feeling bound, by stuff, if you're dealing with feeling like you're carrying around chains, if you're dealing with stuff that's seeking to get into you, to know that Jesus has left his spirit in your culture, he has freed somebody to be there for you. It's pretty powerful.
1: For sure it is. So we can't leave this discussion without doing what we promised, which what the heck is a demon? What is a demon? We said we'd get to it. Now here you go.
0: I would say a demon is a fallen angel. Satan and God are not equal and opposite. Satan is a parasite of God. Satan is a created being. They call them the angel of light. You were talking about, you know, it disguises itself mm-hmm. however it can to make us mm-hmm. fall for it. It's not like Satan was the, was the angel of rabbit poop or something, you know, nobody that would never fall would for have it. Sold. That never it would, would never have sold. sold. That had no legs. Not the. Yeah. Poop. Adam and Eve would <laughs> not have fallen for it. Maybe into it, but. <laughs> exactly. But the idea is that there's a mysterious reference in the Old Testament about a king getting on the true king's throne and being hurled down and taking a third of the angels with him the angels created messengers of god and so a demon would be a fallen messenger of god how that happened i don't know but they don't run around with little leathery wings and yellow beady eyes yes they're thoughts that we cannot understand but they do exist outside of us
1: i think it's really important if we're ever going to make any progress in understanding what a demon is we cannot look for it in the mechanical worldview. Right. That we talked about earlier, the Epicurean, you know, philosophic materialism worldview that's talked to us from day one and reinforced day one. There's more than just matter and structure and nobody knows what energy is anyway. It's just a way of just saying, oh, don't look at that. Just it just is right. Which I say that about God. They're they're supernatural beings, but we agree that there is supernatural because that's what no one knows what consciousness is right? I'm fascinated by dreams. I don't What the heck is going on? Every night we go someplace and it's always us. As far as I know, I've never heard anyone say that they were somebody else. And there's form and bodies and all that kind of stuff. And you feel stuff and you right. feel emotions and you feel desire, all that stuff. There's a reality there. While my eyes is closed and no light is hitting my retina, what is going on there? There are superna- It's a supernatural event. If If naturalism is just what I can observe here and other people can confirm, okay, so if a demon's going to not be, in naturalism, it's easy to dismiss because, well, I don't see any around here. Right. Nobody's seen one, so they don't exist. We're dealing with consciousness. What makes the world happen? Consciousness. We're dealing with that.
0: Exactly. And I believe that, you know, when it comes to the idea of possession, interesting in some of the readings that I've done, the number one person who exercises the demon is the victim themselves say that again the times where somebody has exercised a demon just like the person had to cooperate bit by bit by bit surrendering of their will to whatever this outside force demonic activity Mm -hmm. demon was it's the same way that they put off the demon themselves the person who's possessed, whether you want to call him a patient or what, in successful exorcisms, the patient renounces his or her involvement in the demonic and decides to side with God or Christ or the truth or whatever you want to call it. It's the patient who casts out the demon because of their making a choice against it in the power of, of God to be able to, a lot of times it happens, I think, when they get it, the lies get exposed. When they get exposed in lies and they realize what's going on and they push back against it.
1: Yeah. And, and I think aim at the good too. Yeah. Right. So last thing I would want to say is I don't want anyone to think that I'm suggesting that demons and all of these things we're talking about are only psychological processes. Psychological processes can be involved or whatever. Because when I felt the Holy Spirit, I told you this and I'll say it to this day. It truly felt like it came from without, I wanted it and I wanted, it, but, but it surprised me because it didn't come right away. But you know, when people would ask me, like my son is like, well, why did you decide to do that? I was like, it found me. I really had that experience. I don't want to forget that. I really felt like it found me. Right. Yes. That's why the first question I wanted to establish is like, do things outside get in us? And I think that it's hard to refute that with naturalism.
0: I believe that. Yeah.
1: Okay. Anything else?
0: It's an amazing discussion. We have talked all over it. But I think the takeaways for me is that it is a long-term cooperation with some kind of a lie outside myself that I'm allowing to work and maneuver in with me. And it's not something to be feared or hated. It's something to be pitied when you see somebody who is so caught up. If you can aim at pity, it can be your best weapon against someone like that. I think so, so. that and you don't get caught up in the hatred,
1: yeah, but when you when you when you say pity you're you're saying it differently than some people understand, like a pity uh, for some people they think, oh, it's a looking down on and putting you above you're saying no we're 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 here together on this yeah. stuff. It's more of a compassion sort of thing is I think is what
0: you are it's a compassion, sadness, it's a mercy, wish for the suffering to stop for them that's what it is to literally picture the person in chains, like this garrisonine demoniac, Yes. To literally picture a person living in the tombs that they may have built themselves yes. to realize even when they are hurting other people, we cannot forget that we are to show them, maybe at a distance, mm-hmm. prayer and mercy that Christ had for them, even if there's containment that needs to be happening.
1: And I like what you said, and there's so much here, but to be bound when you said that, then the imagery bound. And then I started thinking, well, okay, to be free is what we want to be. And to be free means to to belong. And then I think about truth and how you do feel when we get to the truth, like I say, it's gentle. What I mean is when we are in God's reality, our physiology just calms down. You know what I mean? I don't care how bad the news was when you know it's real and this is what it's going to be and this is how it is you'll still calm down. I don't care if you're grieving or, you know, uh, or what it is, but it's, there's something about truth and God is truth that, you know, I mean, this is, it's all mysterious, right? We will not know everything about it right now, but man, it's something to think about all day long. If you can.
0: It's that good. And Jesus himself said, I am the way I am the truth. I am the life, which is the opposite of evil. If you spell it backwards. (laughs) Okay, can you pray for us? I would love to. With us? Holy Spirit, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this conversation. I thank you, Lord, for where you take our thinking. I thank you that we are not alone. I thank you that we are not a complete victims, but that you desire for our wills to be strong and our wills to be placed under your will. God, thank you that you have given us the strength to say no, to say yes. To say, I'm with you. And I pray, God, that as we realize there's more going on than just what we can see, we can use that to put our trust in you. Lord, we don't go around chasing after demons under every bush, but we don't ignore Satan either. So I just thank you, God, that you are the victor. You have conquered death. You have conquered Satan. You have conquered the world. And Lord, you don't conquer us, but you enable us to invite you to come in and to lead in our lives and i thank you for that i thank you that you leave people behind to give witness to you like you did that garrison demoniac so long ago and i pray god that we would be good witnesses in jesus name amen amen thanks for listening to the shepherd and the shrink podcast you can check out the show notes from this episode
1: get free resources discover more about our work and all the ways to subscribe so you never miss an episode of the show. Head over to
0: drmartinfletcher.com.